to the place they're in but Lord let them find yourselves immersed in your presence Lord that your glory would fall God that we would hear praise reports of people just beginning to weep before you that they would fall on their knees before you now Lord and worship you for who you are Lord that all worry is gone all fear is gone all doubt is gone Lord that you are the sustainer you are the provider you are the need meter Father God you have made a way. Lord, your word tells us that you will make a way even. You will make rivers in the desert. Lord, we praise you tonight. And we honor you. We thank you, Father, that you're going to do what only you can do. We're going to give you glory, Lord. We're going to praise your name and honor you. And lift your name on high. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, we lift those up to you that are sick in body. Lord, for Steve Stone's uh, brother, I believe it was or is, who's, who's sick. and uh, Lord, we know that you're the healer. That you're the sustainer. And Lord, that any need that we have is already met. Lord, we bring them all before you, Lord. Whatever those needs are, Lord, we lift those up to you. We lift up this body, Lakeside Church, to you. Those that are lonely. Those that feel secluded and isolated, Lord, we, we lift them up to you that you would bring your presence into them, Lord, and, and that you would surround them and wrap them in your arms. Lord, that you would just pour out tonight in a way that we have never known nor experienced. Lord, let us experience your glory. Let us experience your presence, Father. God, wherever people find themselves now, let them find themselves worshiping you. Lord, from one end of the state or one end of the country to the other, Lord, wherever they may be, Lord, let us worship you. Let us glorify your name. Lord, from Carolina to California, we give you glory. We worship your name and we honor you, praise you, Father. We pray that you would have your way. You would have your way. We give you thanks in the name of Jesus. We pray, amen. Amen. I want to encourage you tonight. As we always, every Sunday, we, we receive tithe and offering. You can go online and give. But I want you to take this time to prepare yourself, your family, just to receive. To get your Bible out. And to prepare yourself to get into God's Word. And to receive from Him. 
uh, don't worry about the distractions. I don't ever say I don't plan on keeping people long. I just keep people until I feel like the Lord is done. But thank you guys for everything. I want you guys, if you're watching, just uh, if you would, just these guys work hard and thank God for them to be here to 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 to, to lead you in worship and praise and um, to those that are, are doing the live stream and, and it's a job, it's a task, it's a chore. And, uh, there's a lot of buttons and knobs and things to turn that I found real quick. I just tried to switch a monitor last week and nearly crashed the whole thing. So I don't touch that stuff back there anymore. But uh, while you're watching, I, I encourage you to share, not to share to say, hey, look at, look at them, but I want you to share because we asked you to help us, especially our church family, because we're committed to take the gospel as far as the Lord will allow, and if you hit share, you're connected to people that I'm not connected to, or the people that may not be connected or a follower of Lakeside Church's page, but they may well, very well just click on the message and hear the Word of God. So we encourage you to share. We encourage you to um, let us know where you're watching from. And uh, we thank you guys so much. Thank you, all of our church family, for the words of encouragement. Uh, today I saw Jeanette and Ron Coco had their picture uh, on, on Facebook in their church shirt uh, watching the service. So we encourage you just to, just to kind of encourage one another. Post a picture of yourself with your church shirt, your lakeside attire, uh, your new shirt or your old shirt or whatever you have. Uh, if you got a bumper sticker, you can put it on your head. I don't, whatever you want to do. But uh, we just, uh, we miss you guys. We miss you guys so much. And uh, I know you see us, but we don't see you. But um, anyway, it's just not the same. Uh, I know Melissa had posted a picture this morning or sometime today of what service is like, and it's just odd. But nonetheless, God's still God. He's still in control. And he will still have his way. But turn in your word to Ephesians chapter 4. <coughs> We're in Ephesians uh, part, I don't know what this is, part something, other 10 or 12 or 9 or 8, whatever it may be, it doesn't matter. But we're in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And I thought this so fitting because Melissa had posted uh, one, about one body, one spirit, one God, one Savior, one Lord. Um, and kind of this is where we are tonight in our, and talking about our daily walk. Um, it's so important to understand your daily walk, your Christian walk, the Christian life. Because once you get saved, there's still more living to do. There's still a life to live. But Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 6 says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Again, Lord, we just come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the privilege, the opportunity to preach, to speak, to teach the gospel. And I pray that tonight you would anoint me, Lord, anoint my throat. Anoint me to pre preach and teach your word, Lord, that, that I wouldn't say more or less than you would have. And that you would anoint the hearer's ear and anoint their heart to receive your word tonight. 
Lord, that we not just talk about church any longer, but we be the church. That we not just talk about the things of, of you, but Lord, we also be doers of the word as well. We thank you. We give you glory and honor. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. To walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. What in the world is that? To walk worthy, I can tell you first of all, before we even dig into it, you are not going to do it in yourself. It's not going to happen. You're not going to do it in the flesh. You're not going to do it in your own will because it will not happen. The only way that one would walk right, if you want to use that term, speaking of our behavior, is to walk after the Spirit. And uh, I remember growing up, and I grew up obviously in a Pentecostal church, and I, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of things. I've seen just stuff. But I heard the term walking after the Spirit, but I never knew what walking after the Spirit was. I, I, didn't, I thought it meant you walked around speaking in tongues all day long. I didn't know. I, and I, uh, a lot of that was on ignorance on my part because I didn't study and I didn't, I didn't look into things. I just wondered what it was. And some of you may wonder, well, what is walking after the Spirit? And uh, it's, uh, it's maybe a lot of people do, or maybe none of you do. Maybe it was just me. But we can only walk in the Spirit and walk uh, by the Spirit by being led by the Spirit. Uh, that all strength and all help comes to us by and through the finished work at Calvary. There is, a, there is a parameter in which the Holy Spirit works, and that's our faith anchored in the finished work of Christ. But walking after the Spirit, what is that? Let's, say, let's, let's, let's look at what it is not. It does not mean that you seclude, your, seclude yourself and, and, and build a, um, a compound. Uh, that's not walking after the Spirit. It, it doesn't mean that that you follow all the rituals and, and dress the part. and uh, You're not out in the wilderness eating locusts and honey. That's, that's not walking after the Spirit or, or wearing burlap sacks or whatever you may want to think of. Doing the ritual things or looking the part. It's not shouting louder than anyone else. Or even doing all of the church things. That's, that's not walking after the Spirit at all. That's just things. Many have found themselves lost without their routine lately. A lot of you guys and, and, and people and, and have, have, have a routine. They come to church on Sundays. That's what we do. And they don't know how to fill that time. Because it's different. It's odd. And maybe some of you guys have found yourself getting up at a, and, and, and even going through your closet looking for clothes to put on to go to church. and uh, we, we, Our routine's all jacked up and and for some people, they can't go to work because their businesses have, have uh, gave them a furlough or laid them off, and their routine is messed up. And, and that, could, that could in itself throw you into a loop. But routine-wise, speaking of the church, uh, the routine is messed up, and it's throwing a lot of people for a loop. And that, that could be a problem because when church becomes routine for you, then it's just become rudiments and sacraments. And we talked about that this morning. That's a part of the asceticism that's going on. Church should never be routine. We know church starts at 1030. Well, supposed to. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it may start at 1027. But it does, or 6 o'clock on a Sunday night, or, or 7. But that, I'm not talking about that routine. We're talking about coming and just doing the things. That can be a problem when you don't, when it's all it is to you is a routine. And, 
And, and a lot of people have found themselves searching and seeking the Lord like they never have before because they don't have the, the routine. They have to depend on Him to, to, to lead and guide them. So I want to tell you it's a good thing to get out of your comfort zone. It's not comfortable to be out of your comfort zone. But if we were never to meant to be uncomfort, uncomfortable or we never thought that the Lord would allow us to be pushed or forced out of our comfort zone, then why would He tell us that He'll send the Comforter? He, sends the, he sent the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, to comfort us in times just like this, not just like this, but every single day. I was speaking with Terrence and Melissa, I think it was, earlier this week, and we were talking about just, just how... Everything's been flipped upside down. I mean, you know, you can have three or four hundred people at Walmart, but, but God forbid if you have more than ten at church, you know, because we're, we're just going to infect each other. Um, I won't even go there, but I think that's just garbage. But anyway, it is what it is. We're going to be obedient and we're going to obey the law of the land. But it's a good thing to get out of your comfort zone. It's a good thing to depend on the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. But we were talking about, or I mentioned in the, the, the Old Testament, just think about when they had to move the camp. <laughs> they had to move the ark. They had to move everything. Everything had to be taken down and, re and, and set back up. And all the things had to be gone through. So they understood what it was like to, to move the church, per se. So our church, the church is mobile because the church is you and myself. The pulpit's mobile because that is wherever you go. It does not matter. So that's when we really rely on the Holy Spirit and the leading and guiding of Him is when we are out of our comfort zone. That's when you will truly rely on Him because you don't have the answer. You don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know if you're going to get to do this tomorrow. So walking after the Spirit is simply placing and keeping your faith in the finished work of Jesus and seeking wisdom and guidance in all things. All things. That's lead, letting Him lead you and letting Him guide you. And as you live this Christian life, I don't know if it's hot in your house, man, it's hot in here. Y'all hold on, I'm going to turn on the tornado. <laughs> okay. We're trying to keep the power bill down. No, we're not. Uh, well, I guess we should, but um. anyway, as you live this Christian life, your daily walk, you're not to be prideful and arrogant. You're not to be boastful and look at me and I, I'm super Christian and, and I got to, you're not to be arrogant and prideful at all, but rather you're to do it, verse 2 says, with all lowliness meekness with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. You will not do this in yourself. It won't happen. Because when somebody rubs you the wrong way, they're done. You check them off. When somebody don't go in the, with the flow of what you like, what you do, you check them off, they're done. You say, we can say we forgive all day long, but let somebody rub you wrong every day, and then all of a sudden, I got nothing to do with them. I'm not saying you have to have something to do with them to love them. Sometimes it's smart to just separate yourself from people because you know that it could be a, some people just clash. 
But anyway, I'm not going to stay there. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, he said, take my yoke upon you. Take my, this is Jesus speaking, take my yoke upon you and learn. Pay attention to these next four words, and learn of me. This is a big issue with a lot of believers. We don't want to learn of Jesus. We just want a way out of our issues. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am, this is the two things that Jesus said of himself, I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. And he goes on into verse 30 and says, For my yoke, for my yoke, the yoke of Christ is easy, and my burden is light. There is no burdensome thing living for the Lord. It becomes burden when we make it a burden, when we make it, what I said this morning, a list of do's and don'ts. It becomes burdensome because we are weighted down with the list to check off, and I, for all oh my goodness, I forgot to do whatever. So two things that Christ said of himself, that he's meek and lowly in heart, he said, learn of me. He taught, Jesus taught by his words, he taught by his works, and he taught by his character. The church wants to teach by words alone most of the time. But Christ taught by his words, his works, and his character. He spoke for himself. Christ, the, the, his character spoke for who he was. The meekness of Christ is the opposite of the arrogant boasting of the religious people. We have... Uh, Lord, there's so much stuff that goes down that it's just crazy. But, I mean, some people will, will even make the statement that the Lord has shown me something that I just can't reveal right now. It's just a new thing. It's so No, he has not. That person has made some up far-fetched thing in their mind. They may have seen something or heard something, but I can tell you it ain't from the Lord because nothing's new. You may have a new revelation speaking in your life, of the salvation or the, or the work and operating of the Holy Spirit, but it's not new. It's, it's been there and it's always been the same. So for people to say there's a new thing coming or God's going to do a new, uh, he, He's going to begin to work in a new way. Listen, His mercies are new every morning, but they always work the same way. <laughs> he's not, he's not going to come uh, in, in a, fleck, a, a little fleck of glitter or from a, a feather falling, or, or lights flashing, that's, that's, that's crazy. Christ said he's meek and lowly in heart. So that, that arrogant boasting that so many church folk have is the opposite of what Christ is telling us to learn of him. We are to learn the meekness and lowliness. It, listen, meekness, it's, it's a, a sternness without the loud and boisterous speech. Have you ever met, been in a situation, or just know somebody that, that you, they don't have to, I mean, they just mean what they say, and it ain't, they ain't got to yell it. It's just, uh, this is it. Nah. I think, I mean, one of the most humble men that I know, I, this is the only way I ever knew him, and uh, John Hart was, was Tammy's dad. Uh, he could tell me that your breast stinks in the most loving way, but he meant what he said. He didn't have to yell. He just, that's what he meant. So that meekness is, that's, that's a sternness without having to scream and yell and shout. 
It's no. It's, it's that, that sternness without that loud and boisterous and, and in, in, in this lowliness that Christ is speaking of in his lowly heart. He is willing, Christ is willing to even receive the poorest sinner. Thank God. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon wrote, The lowliness of Christ, this lowliness, leads him to receive even the most ignorant. Wow. Wow. That's the long-suffering forbearing. Because ignorance is not an excuse. Ignorance is not knowing. Stupidity is knowing and doing anyway. But with long-suffering, patient, even if it troubles you. We don't want to take time. We don't want to, we don't want to spend time in, in pointing people to the cross. We want them just to get it. We want them just to get it. I know there's a five-fold ministry, and we'll get into that, but I have an utmost respect for teachers. A lot of people can preach, but it's hard to teach. I have the utmost respect for teachers, Chad, he, he was a teacher, and, and he taught in a, a tremendous way. And we have several teachers that here, they teach in tremendous ways. But in, in, in my humble opinion, I've never really met a better teacher of the gospel than Chad Owens was. Or is, still is. It's, it's preaching and teaching are two different things. I, I've been called to preach, to pastor. I also can teach, but there are, there's, there's this teaching that takes effect, and when you're a teacher, uh, 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 Tammy is a teacher at, at, a, at a middle school, and I won't name the school, but it's, it's not known for the most um, well-mannered students. But with that teaching comes patience, long-suffering, and even though it troubles her, she's going to be patient till you get it. This is our, our own take or our mindset with with preaching and teaching and sharing the gospel and pointing people to this is our daily walk we can how is it troublesome to tell someone about the love of Christ how is it troublesome how does it trouble you to share the gospel that's beyond me forbearing forbearing one another in love you didn't get it automatically or at least I didn't I mean, you read some people's posts, and it's like they come from the womb with a with a master's in theology, and they're cutting everybody down. Can I listen, Facebook warriors? Put down your rocks and love people, please, please, please share the love of Christ and quit spewing hate. Because everybody's not going to get it like that, and I promise you, you're not going to attract them with spewing hate. That is not. Sharing the love of Christ. So, I applaud you for preaching the gospel. But make sure it's the gospel that you're preaching and not your opinion. And be led by the Holy Spirit to love them. I mean, my Lord, we got people riding around right now taking pictures of, of strip malls that, that have uh, 15 cars in it and, and wondering what in the world is going on. People's just going nuts called essential business. They're there to work. They're there to make a living and take care of themselves. Whatever. When we're so concerned with things 
Instead of concerned with preaching the gospel and sharing the love of Christ. If the church would be as concerned with sharing the love and sharing the gospel as people are right now with wearing rubber gloves and face masks and whatever else, then I'm telling you this world would change. So you didn't get it automatically. There are many believers who need to open their hands and they need to drop their rocks. They, they need to open them this way and drop their rocks. All is well until something doesn't go your way. We've all made mistakes. All of us. All of us have made mistakes. And not one of us can undo the past. As much as you want to, as, as bad as you may want to undo the past, you can't. And I said something controversial before, and I'm going to say it again. You can't forgive yourself. And no, I am not using psychological terms or psychology. You can't because you are not Christ. You can't do it. We all made mistakes and nobody can undo their past. We can, though, however, determine if we're going to live there or not. I'm not going to live in the past. I'm not going to live there. Yeah, sure, I messed up. But I'm not staying there. I'm moving on. You've messed up. Move on. You can live there or you can move on. Move on. You're not going to change it. Just keep going. You can speak love all day long, but your actions have got to match your mouth. Three says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in bond of peace. Summer and I can travel right around 800 miles to World Ministry Boulevard or Avenue or whatever you call it, Family Worship Center down in Baton Rouge. And we can walk in and we can feel like we're right at home. Why? Because there is unity of the Spirit. Summer and I are married, obviously. We can be hundreds of miles apart, but feel like I'm, I feel like I'm right there. Not literally, but I feel like I am. Because there's unity of the Spirit. I find it amazing that sometimes I will start singing a song, and she's singing the same song at the same place. And it's crazy. It's just that, that bond there. And I'm not, we're not in cahoots and all this and stuff, but... But our, my marriage with the Lord is the same. That unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And the peace that I have is a peace that only He can give. And it's a peace that only I can rest in. There is one body, one Spirit, even as you were called in one hope of your calling. We have one hope, and that is Jesus. There is no other. One body cannot move in two directions. You can't do it. It's impossible. Try it. Please video yourself doing that and send it to us. You cannot move in two directions at the same time. So this is how and why churches split. Oh, churches split? Oh, yeah. That's how you have the first uh, uh, church of God, the, the first church of God that was a part of the first church of God, then the, 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 the third church of God that was part of the first and the second church of God, and I'm just using Church of God because we're part of Church of God, and I don't want people to think we're throwing rocks at other denominations. But church splits. Why? Because you got bodies moving in two different directions. Because listen, I can tell you from our from our, my, our experience, the church council here, the things that go on. I made this commitment day one, and you can ask any of them, and it has not changed. 
Here is what happens. When we speak of things and talk about things that we, 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 we prayed about and, and bringing forth to the church, if it is not agreed on 100%, it does not leave the room. The majority don't rule. Because you can't have leadership divided because the word tells us a house that's divided will not stand. So when you have a body trying to move two directions, you have they call the church split. But there's one body, one spirit, one hope. There is one Lord, that is Jesus. One faith, that's in His finished work. One baptism, that's salvation, uh, or your salvation being baptized into Christ. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Which this portion of Scripture will lead to next week's study. Will it will lead to the five-fold ministry. But the same God works in various ways in different people for one purpose. Thank God. I was joking earlier, uh, <coughs> told Dennis, I said, if we were the Gaither vocal band, I would be Mark Lowry. <laughs> that's just me. I just, cut, I just like to cut up. I like to goof off. Some people are not that way, and that's okay. It don't make you wrong, but it don't make me a heathen either. I love to laugh. I laugh at myself. I, give, I have plenty of reasons to laugh. I mean, now I'm balding and sunburn on my head. Now, how do you get sunburn on your head when you got hair? You don't have much hair, but anyway, that has nothing to do with any of this. But It's awesome how God works through all and in you all. I want to tell you that if you are saved, if you are a born-again believer, you have a call in your life to share, to preach the gospel. You might not do it in the way that I do. Your delivery might not be like my delivery. It may not be. And don't try to make it to be like my delivery. Because God has placed in you a call and He will work in you and through you in various ways, but for one purpose, to bring His name glory. So what is our mission here at Lakeside Church? Everybody should know it's to save the sinner and to strengthen the saint. Nothing more, nothing less. One body, one spirit, one purpose. To save the sinner, to strengthen the saint. Nothing else. That's it. It's not to be famous. It's not to be known. It's to get the sinner saved and to strengthen the, 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 sin, the saint. And if you go into 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, speaking of our daily walk, you come to this place and that you study to be quiet. What? Jesus said to learn of me, I'm meek and lowly in heart. With all lowliness. We just read this. You study to be quiet and to do, man, this is some great wisdom right here, to do your own business. If I need to break it down in plain terms, it means mind your business. And to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Verse 12 says that you may walk honestly toward them that are without and that you, have, you may have lack of nothing. Sheila told us, Sheila Anderson told us several year, a couple years ago, the Lord had just really stirred in her heart to tell me in summer. And I, 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 man, I've held on to it. But it's scriptural. She said, the Lord has placed on my heart to tell you, you will lack nothing. Not even a coffee pot. That's what she said. And I can tell you that, praise God, that was when I left uh, my full-time job to come here full-time. I was scared to death. I'm still scared to death every day. <laughs> but praise God, we have never lacked nothing. 
Not, we don't even drink coffee, and we have a coffee pot. <laughs> God is good. If you want coffee, come to the house. Just don't bring more than five with you, because we have five over there right now in our house. We did have six, but Noah got married. But anyway, that's, I mean, it's not a bad thing. It wasn't a surprise or anything. We, I was there, I married them. And so anyway, but this is a powerful part of Scripture to, to study to be quiet. A lot of people want to study and tell you everything they know. They want to trip you up with Priscilla and Aquila. Did you know my people are here? You got people wanting to tra- play you in Bible trivia and, and, and Bible jeopardy. and Study to be quiet. Know the word. And when the word needs to be brought forth, it will be brought forth. But you're not studying the word to stomp other Christians and believers. Well, I'll just prove how much you don't know. Tell me what's on the page 1732. Well, depending on what Bible you've got, I don't know. I mean, we're not studying to stop people. We're studying to be quiet. What? And to mind our own business. <laughs> Man, this is some good stuff. And, and if the church would apply this, I'm telling you, the world would just change. Verse 11, and that you study to be quiet. Think of this way. Be ambitious to be tranquil. Be ambitious to be tranquil. This is the opposite of aspiring to be seen and heard. John said that, that I may decrease, that he will increase. Now, it's not about us. The, the Lord will place people in positions and places to be a voice and to be heard, but it's not about us. It's the idea that the sin nature being controlled, the only way it's done, we know, is by keeping our faith anchored in the finished work of Christ. And when that happens, it allows the Holy Spirit to develop His fruit in our hearts and in our lives. So when the sin nature is out of control, guess what? The person's not quiet. Not at all. They want to... My mom would, when I was young and get irritated and aggravated, she would call it a hissy fit. I, I was, you ever having a hissy fit? And uh, I don't know what a hissy, I wasn't, I wasn't doing that, but I was, I, was just, uh, uh, I was just freaking out. I was going crazy. And I don't know if you guys ever did what I did when I was young. I would go in the bathroom, and I told you before here that I would go in our bathroom. And, and, and my cousin Bobby just posted something the other day, and I don't know if she'll see this, but economically and, and, and considering to the world standards, I guess we grew up poor. I, I, didn't, I wasn't poor, uh, but according to world standards, I guess we grew up with less than most would have. We grew up in a little mill town, and she was taking pictures. Man, that was the greatest place in the world. I loved it. There was no place better than 2nd Street in Rantelo, the dead-end road that I had hundreds of acres of woods to run in and hide and play hide-and-seek. And, but we grew up this manner and this way, and, and I didn't know all of that was, I just loved life. Because I knew that, that, that we had all we ever needed. It didn't have to be the fanciest of stuff and or the best of things. But we, we, didn't, we, didn't, we weren't boisterous in all that we did. We, we, we just had it. But at times we would freak out or I would and I would throw a tantrum and, and walk into that little bathroom and ran low and, and shut the little thin door and I'd be like, I hate my mama. My daddy, I'd, I'd whoop his tail. I wouldn't. 
mean, I couldn't then anyway. I, I don't know if I could now. My dad's 72. He might still whoop my butt. <laughs> Dad, if you're watching, I, I'm not challenging you to a duel. I'm just saying. But I would go in there and I would think, now when I have kids and I hear them mumbling under their breath, I think, they're, what an idiot. I <laughs> what they're saying. But uh, anyway, I had these little hissy fits. That's where I was at. But Galatians 5, 19 through 21 talks about the works of the flesh. And I encourage you to write those down and to read it. I, I'm not going to go through every one uh, just for time's sake. But the works of the flesh are now manifest. They're manifest in the flesh. And you see it right now, always going on. Um, and and I, will, I will read them, but I'm not going to go through every one what they are. Uh, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, which is lust, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, uh, uh, to esteem yourself better than. So the word just lays it out, and, and you can't argue with the word. There, that You can't argue with it. It's there. This is what they are. So when we fail to keep our faith anchored in Christ in that finished work, then we put it somewhere else. We began to experience a revival that we don't need, nor should we desire. It's a revival of that sin nature coming back because now you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to have control in your daily walk and you are putting yourself in the lead position, that asceticism or anachronism I spoke of this morning. You're putting yourself in the lead position and now there's a revival coming back that you didn't want. This is why... Uh, so many people will go through rehab, and they may do good for a month or three months or even a year, but they have not placed, or maybe they did place their faith in, in Christ in that finished work, but they removed it, and they found themselves back into the place where they were. You, you, can't, you can't rehabilitate people out of a problem. It is only taken away by the finished work of Jesus Christ, and I know that makes a lot of people mad. But you cannot be rehabilitated out of sin. It does not happen. It's not true. It's not biblical. Now, it's not at all. And I know, again, people are going to get mad, but I'm telling you the truth. If you could, you can't, then Christ died in vain. Plain and simple. If you could, you can't. If you could do what many think you can, then Christ died in vain. So when we fail to keep our faith anchored there, we place it back in us, and that revival becomes, uh, begins to come alive by shifting our focus from the cross to self, that sin nature becomes or begins to be resurrected. The flesh can only be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Only. <coughs> Since February, I haven't eaten bread. <coughs> I used to love bread. Man, I could destroy a loaf of bread. I think it was February. Yeah, it was February. That's when y'all got married. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> but yesterday was Noah's birthday. He turned 20. Man, he had a peanut butter chocolate cake. And I'm telling you, it was talking to me. I walked by it like 12 times. And I, what I'm getting at is you can't control the flesh by you. I was like, yeah, I ain't going to eat it. And then all of a sudden I had a piece on my plate. I was like, dang, that was good. Then I ate another piece. <laughs> and I paid for it. 
But flesh can't be controlled by you. It can only be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You have to lay it at His feet. Leave it there. Leave it there. So it's, it's by and through the faith in Christ that affords us to live a righteous life. It's by obedience to His Word and His Word alone. The Holy Spirit will be your comfort and He will help you remain calm in even all distractions. Things, they seem, seem to creep up to distract us and disturb our peace. And they will if we allow it. You can't stop all the annoying things in life. You can't. I don't care what you do. You can lock yourself in a room. Nobody in there, not even windows to see out, no phone, no nothing. And, and a cricket will find its way in there while you're trying to sleep. How does a little bug make that much noise? And it will drive you crazy. You cannot stop all the annoyances that will come in your life. It just ain't going to happen. Some of them are more severe than others. Apparently, again, y'all know, when I eat, apparently that just drives Sawyer to almost a, a level of insanity that's beyond reasoning. Because apparently I crunch water and my fork scrapes the plate in the wrong way. So then he opens his mouth and begins to smack like a camel eating honey or something. Just to get me back. But anyway, you, you can't stop the annoyances from coming. Uh, but you're going to do one of two things. You, you can do like the old song, I'm trading my sorrow. I'm trading my I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. You can lay it down for the joy of the Lord. And you can even find yourself walking around the house saying, Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. That was popular when we were younger. Yes, Lord, yes. So was angels bow before him, heaven and earth adore him. <laughs> Don't act like y'all didn't do that when y'all sang that song. But anyway, you can do that and you can lay them down. It's, it's amazing when, what, what happens when you begin to praise the Lord. Find yourself and just frustrated and aggravated. And, and, and you can, you, it's amazing what happens when you begin to praise the Lord. Uh, or, or you can allow the agitation to start and disrupt your peace or spirit. Oh, imagine if I would have said this. You ever been riding down the road and somebody said something to you? Oh, I, ooh. Man, I should have thought of that. And then you're like, you want to turn around to go try to make the person see you again so you can to try to treat, recreate the situation. Oh, I got it, I got it, I got it. I got the gun, I got, I'm good, I got it. No. <laughs> again, all of us have done these type of things. You can allow that agitation to start disrupt your peace, your spirit. We've all done it. This might ruffle some feathers, but when you allow that, the situation or the circumstance to destroy us, it shows this, a lack of faith. And we've all been there. I'm double-handing it because I've been there. Lord, you can, you can be, Lord, you've got this, or Lord, I'll let you handle after I'm through humiliating whatever it is. Lord, I'll, I'll let you handle it later, but first I need to get some vengeance. I know it says that vengeance, you say in your word, vengeance is mine, but I, I want it to be yours after I get through having mine. Nothing should disturb your quiet spirit. When we allow it, we are simply not 
trusting the Lord as we should. Our peace should not be disturbed. John 14, 27, the peace that Jesus gave us, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You've got to understand that this peace, the peace of Christ, was not disturbed, nor was it disrupted, nor did it stop. He was crucified but the peace that he had, it was a joy that was set before him. That is the peace that he gave myself and he gave you as a believer. So that peace should not be disturbed. If it's the peace of Christ. He gives it to us. He also gives us the, the comforter, John 14, 18. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. Many people right now wonder, man, what's going to happen? What's, you've got to listen to the Word of God. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. In the middle of craziness, the Holy Spirit is right there to comfort you. The Lord has everything under control. Everything. Have you ever went, uh, I, I know we, the first time I flew, I flew to San Antonio, we were going down to Teen Talent, my brother was singing, and, and my sister-in-law actually was singing too, it was Teen Talent in San Antonio, Texas, my oldest brother had, had sculpted a clay head, and it had been in Teen Talent for like 12 years, and one every year, same thing I did, I, I painted a monochromatic painting, and I did a mixed media painting, and photography, same picture, same, every year it won, I was so lazy, and didn't want to do anything else. But we were going down to Teen Talent. I was flying it to, we were flying to San Antonio, and we hit turbulence. Man, I was terrified. And that was the day when you could give your ticket to somebody. So I gave my Aunt Patsy a ticket, and I rode back from San Antonio with my Uncle Paul. That's how terrified I was of flying. But how ignorant would it have been for me to run up into the front and, and knock on the pilot's door, the cockpit, and say, hey, 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 can I take control? I had to trust that he knew what we were going through and he had it handled. This is what we do. Uh, a friend of ours from, from high school, uh, Terry Byers, he's a, he's a pilot. And, and, and I'm sure he, he, he could tell you all about turbulence. I, I'm sure he can. But I, I, don't, I don't know what it's like to, to pilot an airplane through turbulence. But I'm sure that there are some things you need to be paying attention to. But only the pilot can handle it. Listen, only God can handle the trouble that you're facing right now. Quit trying to take over the control. Let go, sit back in the seat, and sit in the buckle up your seatbelt. If you've got to put your oxygen mask on, for the love of Pete, put it on, but be still. Be still. And know he's got it. He's got it. So when you're quiet and at peace, even, when, even still, there's going to be those people that just don't like you. What do you mean you ain't upset? I can't believe you're up there preaching without a mask on. My Lord, you're going to spread COVID-19 all over the pulpit. I'm at peace. I'm at, again, I'm not out licking handrails, and I'm not, I'm not rolling over the shopping carts at Walmart. And I'm, not, I'm not doing that. But I'm at peace. And there's going to be those that will hate you if you rest in Christ. Because you should be upset too. Look at Elihu, he, or however you say his name. He was mad at Job. How do you say his name? Elihu? Elihu? Eli? E-L-I hyphen H-U? I'm going to say Elihu. 
if it's different, then, then congratulations, you got it right. I'm wrong. But anyway, he was mad. He was mad at the three friends of Job. They, they were self-righteous, and Job knew that through it all, God was faithful and that he had it. But it was their self-righteousness that brought on this anger. Just, you got to be mad. But he, he thought he was so good that he could speak on God's behalf. How stupid. This was, this is another message for another time, but, but Jethro gave Moses some good, bad advice. God told Moses exactly what to do, but his father-in-law had a concern. You can't handle all this stuff. You need, to, you need to divvy it up, and you need to appoint leaders and this and that. God never told him to do that. Sounded good, but it was bad advice. Listen, it's God who laid the foundations of the earth. It's God who measures the earth. It's God who fastened it in orbit. It's God who made the stars sing. It's God who shut up the seas. It's God who made the cloud, the garment of the sky. It's God who tells the waves where to stop. It's God who calls the springs to feed the sea. It's God who calls the rain in the wilderness. It's God who provides the raven food. It's God who spoke everything in existence. And do we not know that it is He who will say, Peace be still. He has it all under control. Satan can do nothing that a believer, to the believer that is not allowed by the Lord. So when we react, react in doubt and unbelief or have unconfessed sin, it gives the enemy more latitude. The, the, the alternative is this, to make things right with the Lord. Lord, forgive me. I've panicked. I've tried to handle it. I've tried to do it. I haven't trusted you. It's that settled peace of the child of God that allows one to have peace regardless of the circumstance. And that peace is only available through and by Jesus Christ. Nowhere else are you going to find it. You're not. You're not going to find it. When my mother passed away in December of 2010, it would just tore people up because I wasn't just a train wreck. Yeah, I was upset, but I had peace. I had peace. I, I mean, I knew, I knew, man... She's good. But I had people mad at me because I wasn't crying my eyeballs out and snot. I mean, I have my moments, and I still have my moments. Man, when I walk down through the road, and I, somebody's got some doggone wind song on, I just, crazy. Or downy fabric softener. That was our cologne growing up. My mom would put like four times the amount. And everybody won't know what kind of cologne we wore. It was just downy, downy fabric softener. We smelled like a laundry mat on steroids, it was, but it was good. I mean. But anyway, I still have my moments, but people would get mad because I wouldn't just tore up. People are mad because I, I, we're, we're still preaching the gospel. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to not preach the gospel. I'm not. So it's that settled peace, the peace that only is available through Christ. The world knows nothing about that peace, and the peace is something that we must work at. What do you mean we must work at it? He says that you study to be quiet. Study to practice peace. The middle of verse 11 of 1 Thessalonians 4 says, And to do your business again. Mind your own business. The Lord designed your nose to be on your face, not in somebody else's tail. I know that may sound harsh but blunt, but that's just the truth. Keep it in your business. I'm not concerned with what everybody else is doing. 
I got enough going on. Just, just preach the word. Just love people. So, which again, mind your business. This one, one practical truth, this one practical commandment given by the Holy Spirit in the church, this problem is more prevalent than many would know. The Holy Spirit gave this through Paul, not for just those in Thessalonica, but for every church and for every believer to mind our own business. It seems simple. How many problems would it solve? How much strife would it stop if Christians would just follow the word of God? All gossip would stop. That alone would perform miracles in the church. The sin of gossip is a prevalent and a destructive thing that goes around. Because people talk off of assumption when you don't know. You don't know. You can't. Faith is not even by sight. So don't make your facts based off of what you see because what you see might not really be what you think it is. I know this is hard for people to swallow, but you don't know. If I want to know, then I'm going to go to the source and I'm going to ask. I mean, for crying out loud, I had to go knock on the Markley door and ask Dennis if he liked me. I did not. I just didn't know if he liked me or not. No, I knew he liked me. But people... People make assumptions off of things that they have no idea about. And they begin to talk. Did you see? Did you, the, the, the guy who shaked people's hands over at Lakeside. He skipped me on purpose. Oh, you didn't know that he just sneezed in his hand. And he didn't want to give you his stuff. He just said, hey, what's up? We're going to do the elbow bumps and stuff now, but I don't know. But we can't make assumptions off of what we think we know. So if this were done, the minding of our business, instead of minding others, which would free your mind to be set on the Lord, you would have more time to spend on the things of the Lord. And this alone would change your attitude, your demeanor, your direction, and your thinking. Trying to tend to others' business gives you far less time to mind your own. I know gardening season is coming up and... Uh, got a garden praise God for it I'll eat all your stuff if you want me to I, I love garden food but when we lived in Dallas we had a I guess if you wanted to call it a garden we had a weed garden but Summer's aunt and uncle had a garden behind us and man theirs grew good because every day they were out there tending it but they never came and tended our garden they didn't have to I didn't ask them to it wasn't their business to but their garden was fruitful Man, was it fruitful. And we had to pull the weeds off of our maters, whatever. We'd find a squash or okra that was hard as a darn rock and you couldn't eat it <laughs> through the weeds. But they minded, listen, I'm just using this as an example. They minded their business. They tended their garden. Tootie tended the It was fruitful. But our garden was not very fruitful because... I spent too much time thinking about, man, I wish you'd come and pull the weeds out of ours instead of doing it my doggone self. This is, this is, listen, we, we've got to tend to what the Lord has placed in front of us. So it, it, when you do that, you're, it'll change. Uh, it's a practical Christianity. Practicing what the Holy Spirit gives us will, will cause the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, 
meekness, and temperance will cause the fruit of the Spirit to be prevalent in your life. Verse 11 goes on to say, and to walk with your own, uh, and to work with your own hands, not walk with your own hands, but to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Man, it's 10, what is that? Not 10 o'clock, it's 720. <laughs> I was like, 10 o'clock, good Lord. I've been going for a long time, but uh, anyway, Christians who attempt to sponge off of others, that's not really good practical Christianity. In fact, I don't know that it is Christianity at all. No matter one's age or their physical condition, there's something they can do to, to earn their... I'm not talking about people who are retired. I'm not talking about people who have health issues. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about people who live off of excuses. Well, I can't. There's, there's something you can do. I know now is a little weird time. It's a little odd because there's certain things you people just can't do because the government won't let you. But so many become codependent, which in itself is contrary to the word because the Bible tells us in Philippians 4 and verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So there's a lot of fo folks who, who do have issues but most fail to realize the largest issue in the church, and I'm going to hit it this morning, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time because of, of what time it is. A largest issue, one of the largest issues in the church today is laziness. Well, they'll do it. That's what everybody says. Well, they'll do it. They'll get it. They'll, they'll take care of it. Honest labor is not a, a necessity. It's not only a necessity, but honest labor is a privilege. How many of you guys are working from home, but you're not really working from home? You're turning on the computer and letting it run. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm not, that's not honest. Uh, when I worked at, uh, for the construction company, I had a guy that was a believer, and all he wanted to do was sit around and preach all day long. I said, brother, we're getting paid to work. We've got a job to do. I thought you was a believer. I am a believer, but we got to, you're not going to feed my family. We're going we're gonna to talk about the things of the Lord as we work. And if you can't do that while we work, then keep your pie hole shut because we got work to do. There's a, there, you got to give them an honest, this is practical Christianity. This is our daily walk. There's no reason, there's no wonder that so many people look. You want to spend your time at your employer's job preaching instead of working. Preach while you work. Let your life preach. Let your life preach. There are a lot of folks, again, they got those issues but honest labor, it's a necessity, but it's also a privilege. You read in Proverbs 6, 6 through 15, I encourage you to read there. It talks about the ant and the sluggard. You read there. It's an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. And if it makes you mad, then you don't have an issue with me. you got an issue with God's Word. Laziness should never come up in the conversation of a believer. Ever. Never. You should, as a believer, be the absolute hardest working individual that that company has ever seen in their life. You should be because you're supposed to do everything as if you're doing it unto the Lord. If you're washing dishes, I know Avon's got a job washing dishes. He's back there, I'm washing for the Lord, washing for the Lord. <laughs> There's a song to sing, Avon, if you're watching. <laughs> but we got to do it as if we're doing it unto him. This is the meekness, the lowliness, that, that long-suffering that, that, that we take on. We're, we're a body working for one purpose. So again, the church Christians are, are to help those in need, but 
That individual's got to be trying. Listen, I, I've, I've, I've ruffled some feathers because I've told some people that's called wanting things, no. Because I know they don't want help, they just want that need met. I'll help anybody. I'll show you how to do anything that I know how. But I'm not going to do it for you. I'm not teaching you anything. I will teach you by showing you and being with you and, 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 and of those things. But the individual has got to want to help themselves, making an effort, not verbally, but physically. The church needs to physically help. We've got some, we've got some widows and widowers in this body. Not one widow or widower should ever have to feel like, I can't make it or handle these things. I want to tell you, if you're watching, you've got a need, please call. Because we've got people who are able and willing and ready to help. But if you don't tell us, we don't know. Never should you feel like it's a struggle to do your yard work if you're a widower. We've got people who can do it. We're to take care of each other. Each other. I'm talking about really people that need our help. We're to take care of one another. Not just talk about it, but do it. But do it. We should take care of our needs. Be, listen, our, we should take our needs before the Lord first, but then we shouldn't be trying to drop hints by sponging. Uh, that, do we really trust the Lord or not? What I, what I mean by that, and I'll just really quick example is, is I'm, I'm just going to use this. I, I really like uh, Reese's peanut butter cups. I really like them. So, uh, you know, if you ever have an extra one or anything, I love Reese's peanut butter cups. I do, but I'm not going to eat them, so I'm not trying to get any Reese's peanut butter cups. But those people that drop the hints that want you to, we had somebody that would call and, and uh, just wanted to make sure that they, we knew they were coming so that Daryl could take them out to eat. <laughs> I was like, I'll, I'll be sure to let Daryl know. Uh, so uh, anyway, listen, we don't try to drop hands to sponge. Uh, 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 so First Thessalonians, or Second Thessalonians 3 verse 10, it leaves us no wiggle room. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if we would not work, neither should we eat. Listen, earn what you got. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. Christianity, listen, Christianity is its own culture. The Bible, it's the Bible culture. It's, it's culture is not dictated by the surrounding. Christianity is its own. And we must lay aside everything and, and conform to God's word alone. Be transformed by God's word alone. And if it doesn't measure up to his word, we lay it aside. His word is the standard. We cannot incorporate the ways of the world and, and change God's word. When we do, it destroys the message which stops the work of God. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's constant and he doesn't change, nor will his ways. I've asked this before, are you a thermometer or a thermostat? A thermometer is one who will conform. A thermostat is one who is being transformed. A thermostat transforms this room. If I go hit this thermostat and I run this thing down to 67, it's going to transform this room. It's going to make the temperature cooler. You're called to be that in Christ. You are a thermostat. You are not a thermometer. Through Christ and the Holy Spirit working in your life, things around you should change. They should change. Verse 12, that you may walk honestly toward them who are without 
and that you may have lack of nothing. Our conduct alone cannot, and, or, or our conduct alone should win, not cannot, our conduct alone should win the respect of outsiders. When I say outsiders, I'm not talking about you're a foreigner and you're not welcome. I'm talking about those that do not know Christ. Because even one who is not a Christian, they recognize wholesome conduct. They recognize that. There's no time for restless, idle, or meddlesome or, uh, 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 in your life. Even those without Christ, again, they recognize the wholesome conduct. On the opposite end, they are turned off by those who do not carry their load of responsibility. Closely associated with good testimonies is the need not to be dependent upon anyone, but solely trust in the Lord. I want you to listen to what William Barclay said. He said, and I, I want to wind down with this, so Terrence, if you want to just come and play something. He said, when we Christians prove that our Christianity makes us uh, 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 better workmen, truer friends, kinder men and women, then and only then are we really preaching. The important thing is not the mere words, but deeds. Not so much preaching on our part, but our lives. I want to read that again. He said, when we Christians prove that our Christianity makes us better workmen, truer friends, kinder men and women, then and only then are we really preaching. The important thing is not just mere uh, words, but deeds. Not so much preaching on our part, but life. What does your daily walk look like? We've got an opportunity every day to reflect Christ in our life every day through our consistence our consistent and our faithful lives to him there's nothing nothing that can compensate the discredit of our failure to walk in the spirit because if you're not being led by the spirit you're walking in the flesh and as good as you may be, and as wholesome and moral as you may be, you will lash out and you will do things that do not need to be done. Even when you are walking in the Spirit, at times you will not. And you may do something that should not have been done. But you ask for forgiveness, you admit the wrong, and you ask for forgiveness and you go on. The Word of God in both the Old and New Testament demands honesty in all things. There's always 12 inches to a foot. There's always 16 ounces in a pound. Don't shortchange anyone at any time. When you walk in these ways in, in Ephesians 4 where we started and, and you're endeavoring to keep the unity, that bond of peace through that one body, one spirit, when you're doing all these things and you're you're walking and studying to be quiet and, and to, to all of these things. Why? So that you may lack, the word says, so that you may lack, verse 12 of Thessalonians 4, nothing. You may have lack of nothing. You might not have the biggest house or the house you thought you would. You might not drive what you thought you would be driving. You might not get to be eating what you want to be eating. But I can tell you that if you are a child of God, and if you seek Him first, you will lack nothing. 
I'm not talking about wants. I'm talking about needs. In God's economy, we are to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all things shall be added unto you. Put Him first in all things, all situations, all circumstances, and the necessary things in life will be added unto us. If we take care of His business first, then I can promise you, He will take care of ours. The Word tells us the just shall live by faith. We should search the Word to know it. We should have a daily prayer life. First with praise and adoration. Before need, first the kingdom of God. Everything we have comes from Him. The cross made it possible for us to enjoy His treasure. If we will heed to Him, follow Him, love Him, and faithfully serve Him, His Word again tells us that we'll lack nothing. We do this by and through. One faith, one Lord, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. This is our daily walk as believers. So I, I want you just to take a moment and Join me in prayer. Because I believe with all that's within me when this thing is over. It may not be normal like we knew normal. But I could tell you, it's going to be a good time. But during this time, let your walk speak for itself. Let it speak for itself. Father, I praise you and thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that where people may be watching or viewing from, where they find themselves, Lord, that they find your, themselves in your presence, resting in your arms. Lord, let our, our whining and complaining turn to worship and adoration of who you are. Lord, don't let our lips be filled with poison, but Lord, let them be filled with praise. Lord, and I pray that in these uncertain times, they are... Lord, that you are certain, that we will realize that, that your peace still passes all understanding. Lord, that you would pour out your spirit upon all flesh. You, you say in your word that you'll pour it out upon all flesh in the last days, and you are doing so. Lord, we're praying for a great revival. We thank you, Lord, for, for those that they just want more of you. We thank you, Lord, for those that are agreeing with us for revival to come. Thank you, God, for the friends. Even in the recent weeks that have come home, thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, you're too good to us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing, even in the middle of this troublesome time. Lord, we worship you. We adore you. And we honor you. And we just trust in your word. And if God be for us, 
who shall be against us. We give you glory and honor in the name of Jesus. We pray amen and amen. I want to encourage you real quickly next week, weather permitting, we will have, we will have a drive-in service. I want to pack the parking lot out. You got to stay in your cars. We will take communion. We're figuring out a way to do it. But I want you to pray that the rain don't come. But if it does come, to stay away till like 2 o'clock. But I want this parking lot to be packed. I cannot wait to see smiling faces. We love you guys. Remember, share your pictures with your Lakeside shirt. Call and encourage one another. Invite people. Share the, 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 the live stream. But we're waiting when this thing's over, we're going to have a good time. We're having a good time now, but I can't wait to see you. We love you, praying for you. If you have a need, please call us. If there's something in, you need done, please call us. I'm talking about a need, an actual need. Please call us. We're here. We love you guys. We'll see you soon. Be blessed. We'll be live Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Be blessed.